Welcome to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast, where we get to bring you sermons and content to help bring you closer to Jesus, develop your faith, and keep you up to date with everything young adults. Join us Sunday nights at 7 p.m. in the SCG Church Warehouse for our young adult service, or at our main campus services. We hope you enjoy. All right, everyone, welcome to Young Adults. I hope you're all doing well tonight. However, Matt is not doing well tonight. That's why I am, uh, that's why I am up here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Robert. I'm the high school pastor here at Seacoast Grace Church, and I'm super excited to be speaking to you guys all tonight. Um, but as we kind of dive in today, I was actually reading an article earlier today, and it was about this new drug that's making its waves kind of around our world. And it all started back in the 1950s. It wasn't, it was rarely around. It was hard to get. And then by the, by the 1980s, it started to grow more in popularity. Now, when the 90s came and stuff like that, it grew more and more easier to kind of get easier, actually, than cigarettes. And by the 2000s to the 2010s and to where we're at now in the 20s, it's super easy to get. And it's making, it's actually spreading havoc across every individual, as well as relationships and even our country today. Now, this drug that's shaping our, our society, um, not a lot of people are really talking about it all that much, and they don't really care. In fact, there is actually a study done where more people think it's immoral that for the people that don't recycle than those who do this new drug. And the drug I'm talking about today is pornography. Now, I know this is kind of like a hush-hush word in the church that's rarely spoken out loud, but in today's age and in this world that we live in, this word can go on to destroy not only you as an individual, but also the relationships that you build up around you and potentially even your own marriage. Now, when it comes to this, porn sites have actually received more traffic, more website traffic, in the United States than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, and LinkedIn combined. So today, we're going to be diving in 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 the aspects of how porn actually goes on to affect you mentally and how it can affect you spiritually as well as even physically, and what we as believers should be doing to, A, fight off this new drug, and to kill sin before it kills you. Now, studies tell us that most young people are, expo- are, are exposed to porn by age 13, and according to a national representative survey of the U.S., teens, uh, 84% of 14 to 18-year-old males and 57% of 14 to 18-year-old females have viewed pornography. And ultimately, I could go on all day. I could say every single stat out there. I can say how it objectifies women, how it objectifies women and how it promotes sex trafficking like no tomorrow, which no one is talking about, and then how it also goes on to just destroy your marriages, destroy relationships, affects you mentally, rewires your brain to the point where you start thinking of people as objects and not as images of God, and so on and so forth. I can do a whole talk on just stats alone. But I don't want to just talk to you about stats. Now, I understand, we all understand, stats are important, and 
But ultimately, porn is so dangerous, and I want to be able to explain to you guys what we need to do as Christians and kind of what the Bible is talking about. Now, the Bible obviously doesn't reference porn at all, but um, it talks about another word, and that being lust. Lust can be anything. When we hear the word porn, we usually think of uh, graphic images and videos, but lust, can al- but lust can also be books that we read, uh, like Fifty Shades of Grey. It can be uh, TV shows that you watch um, for whatever reason. They could have uh, sexual scenes in them or little to no clothing whatsoever. Think of a- any dating show ever. You think of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, I don't care. Like, those are ones, right, where TV shows where it can affect you. Now, before we dive deeper into this topic and kind of talk about lust, I think it's really important for us to actually take a step back and to understand the biblical understanding of love. Now, it's talked about like crazy in the Bible, but there are two places in Scripture, actually, where it actually talks about in pretty in-depth of what love is. The first one is written by John, who is one of the who is one of the disciples of Jesus, and it found and it's found in 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 8. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, start bringing your Bible. I think that's super important. The more you get to know your Bible, the better you get to know God's will for your life. Um, but also too, if you don't have a Bible, please let myself, Carly, or Christina know, and we'll be happy to get you a Bible. Um, also, too, the Bible will be up on the screen. Uh, just so you guys know. Anyways, with that being said, uh, verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. You see, God is the ultimate source of love. He's so much the source of love that John went so far as to say that God is love. Now, there's no such thing as love is love that our world kind of chants today. To For me personally, that doesn't make any sense. Love is love. That, is, that has no reason for that kind of phrase to even be in there. Now, if we really want to know what kind of love that we're talking about is we, get, we need to get to know God. You see, we get that through Scripture. Scripture is super important. Meditating on Scripture day and night, as it says in Psalm chapter 1, continually seeking after God and knowing His Word is super, super important. In Psalm 25, it talks about having honesty and integrity. And honesty is the will of the shepherd. Integrity is doing the will of the shepherd. And we have to have an understanding that when we need to get to know God more, we have to dive into his word, into his scriptures. The second big section of scripture that talks about love is actually a pretty famous one, um, which I'm sure everyone here has heard at least once in their life. And it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's known as the love chapter. Uh, In fact, Many people call it this because Paul gives a somewhat poetic form of love. Now, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7, and it says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, a lot of statements stand out to me in this verse. But there's only one statement that really kind of stands out to me, and that is, it is not self-seeking. You see, here's a couple things that I need you guys to understand. Love takes a lot of work. Biblical love takes a lot of work. Expressing and staying true to all those attributes is very difficult. In fact, it's a tall order. However, it's pretty awesome when we consider that Jesus expresses all those attributes all the time. You see, when it talks about it is not self-seeking, how it talks about that in the middle of verse 5, love isn't about what we get out of it. Love is selfless, which is the opposite definition of what is depicted in our current culture today. You see, love is not just a feeling. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I believe that we can, in fact, feel love, like when you get the butterflies in your stomach and, and kind of all that joy. But it's also an action, a choice, and a commitment. That's super important. It's an action, it's a choice, and it's a commitment. You see, when we just limit love to a feeling, we sell it short by a mile. And to be honest, when we limit love to just a feeling, it can come off as selfish. In our world today, you look around, right? Some of you in here are looking for love. It's pretty much the whole reason why Young Adults was even created as a ministry in all churches. But ultimately, I mean, don't get me wrong. I found my love in my life here, so don't worry about it. But here's the thing. Oh, thanks. So good. Anyways, here's the thing, though. Our culture today depicts love as selfish. Because let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we can take love in a very drastic and negative way. Let's say you have a friend group who everyone around them is in a relationship. And then you start to feel envious or jealous because you're like, where's my person, God? And so now you're just seeking someone because of your own selfish desire. Or maybe you feel, uh, maybe you feel lonely. Maybe you go, back to, you go back home and you just feel this sense of loneliness. And so you're like, well, if I find someone, then I won't be alone anymore. That's being selfish. You're doing your best to get your feeling. You see, when we just limit love to a feeling, we sell it very short. And in that moment, we can get the word love confused with another word, and that being lust. So ultimately, why is this important? Why does this matter to us? Why does it matter between me, to you, to God? What's the point? Well, first, we got to ask ourselves, what is lust in the first place? And to be honest with you, for many of us, when we say the word lust, right, what instantly pops into your head is pornography, the first thing you think of, or at least for most of you in this room. It can be other things as well, like I said before, although it definitely plays into that action that there's much more lust uh, to lust that is valuable for us to actually understand. 
because we need to understand it in order to be able to counteract it. You see, lust is something that takes place in our thoughts and mind. So here are a few things the Bible teaches about lust. Lust is about things. See, when we love things, we are really lusting. And when we lust over a person, it is because we have turned that person into an object. This is exactly what pornography does. It will turn that individual into an object for your own self-pleasure. You see, lust sees people as things or objects, but if we walk backwards a little bit, we might remember that love is about the image of God, people made in the image of God, respecting one another. But lust turns that and makes it into a negative point of view to where you go and you go, this person is just an object for my self-pleasure, and that's it. Lust is also a feeling. The Bible often talks about our desires separate from God. Truth be told, naturally, we all have desires or wants that are dangerous. Like, let's be honest. For me personally, as an example, as a kid, I always wanted ice cream for breakfast, right? Sounds good in that moment. She sounds pretty great. But in the long run, that's going to damage me like no tomorrow because I'm not going to get the nutrients that I need. I'm not going to get anything of substance. And the same is true for lust. It's just a feeling. Because here's the thing, which is interesting, is that you will always go back to it wanting more, but not only that, you will give up everything just for this one desire. It's funny because um, we actually see this in the story of Jacob, Jacob and Esau, and how Esau gives his birthright away just for a bowl of soup because he was hungry. We're Esau in that story. We give anything. Like, all of you guys have been hangry in this room before, right? Some of you guys were like, I will go to Taco Bell if I have to. But here's the thing, though, which is really funny. Because we all do this. Every single one of us. We are Judas as well, just so you guys know. Don't think you're high and mighty above Judas. We give Jesus away, maybe not for money. You give Jesus up maybe for greed, maybe for jealousy, envy. Give Jesus up for porn, for sex, drugs, whatever it is, right? Number three, lust is selfish. Like I said, it's focused on your own personal gain and satisfaction. And this is, this is also what porn does to the mind. You see, I want you guys to understand what porn does specifically to you. As soon as you view it, you have neurons and synapses that start to form highways. In your brain, they start to form. The more and more you look at it, the stronger that neuron gets, and the more dopamine that gets pumped into those neurons. You see, after a while, when you stop looking at porn, it actually starts to starve itself. And that temptation that you feel is that neuron saying, hey, I need you to feed me. I need this. And for a lot of people, it takes a long time. Some people, it takes a month. Others, it takes six months for those neurons to fully die out and for new ones to form. 
This all happens in your brain. Your brain is a very powerful thing, and I think we take it for granted a lot of the times. You see, lust is selfish, and it makes you more selfish in your desires and wants, not caring about those around you. Because ultimately, this is what's going to happen, and my prayer and my hope is that for anyone in here who is struggling with pornography, that you get rid of this thing before you get married. Because that's the number one, close to the number one cause of divorce. The other one is finances. Porn is a big deal. And it makes, and it makes you just not care about those around you. See, Matt always has said that whatever God creates, Satan fakes. And in this day and age, lust is the fake counterpart of love. And porn is the fake counterpart of a true relationship. Remember what I said earlier, right? And how, and how love takes hard work. True biblical love takes hard work, but porn is easy. It's lazy. So you have two sides. There is the hardworking side of love where you dig your heels in, right? And you do the work. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to leave you with satisfaction, Porn goes, why would you do all that work when you can just get it right here? I'm in your pocket for crying out loud. I'm always around you. It's the easiest thing for, for you to use. You don't have to have any arguments. You don't have to have any tough discussions. There's no boundaries that have to be set because I'm always here. See, porn gives this false ideology that it's easier and that it's better and it's sad to me that our country is trying to use this as a depiction of sex. Most of the kids and teens actually look up porn because they're like, what is even sex? And they're now trying to teach this in schools, which is ultimately going to damage the next generation. In fact, it's already damaging us now. Look at our country. Look at everything. You see billboards now where there's, I can't even begin to describe you see, if I had to come up with kind of a sentence here to describe lust and love, lust is selfish, love is selfless. In Ephesians 4, Paul throws out these thoughts um, about those who are being driven by lust instead of love. And so he talks about this in Ephesians 4, chapter 8, sorry, chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. And he says this. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. You see, we see a few things here and actually take away from this passage. There are three things that we can take away. Number one, it darkens our understanding. So ultimately, lust will darken your understanding. It will give you brain fog. It will make you see things that shouldn't be seen in that light. Number two, we lose sensitivity. And number three, it leaves us wanting more. You see, if we're not careful the sin can end up theoretically killing us. 
So we have to be ruthless with this sin. Like, I don't think you guys understand how ruthless we need to be because we need to kill sin before it kills you. You need to kill sin before it kills you. And if you're addicted to porn in this room, I don't want you to feel any shame. And we all know what shame is. Shame is that voice in your head that tells you that you're a terrible person. And that struggle, that actually, that, that statement is just simply not true for you. You're not a terrible person. I want you to have conviction, though. It's that feeling that says, I'm involved in something terrible and I need to stop. That's conviction. There's a difference between shame and conviction. Shame is saying to you, hey, you're a terrible person. You suck. Conviction's telling you, hey, you need to stop this. This is wrong. There's a huge difference. See, even though pornography is a new drug, it's just as addictive as hard drugs. Studies have shown and articles have been written, psychological journals have been written about how when they would take someone who's addicted to hard drugs and take someone who's addicted to pornography and they would scan their brain, it's pretty much the same. It's almost identical. You see, you can have freedom from porn. And if you don't believe me, my life will be an example. Because for my whole entire, when I was growing up, I struggled with pornography. I wasn't a Christian. I was a complete atheist. I didn't believe in God, didn't care to get to know him at all. So being of the world, I thought, yeah, porn is cool. It was cool to look at my dad's magazines with all my friends, whatever it is. But little did Robert know in the first grade when he first got exposed was that that was going to wreck his life. You see, when I get into high school, it becomes even worse. And ultimately, my struggle with porn gets so bad that I can't look at people the same. My mind is kind of like a static TV where it kind of just goes in and out of me seeing one thing and then seeing another. Porn can be so damaging. It ruined my neurons. It made me feel a sense of love that simply wasn't true. It actually makes you feel more lonely, more depressed. It lowers your self-esteem like no tomorrow. And it makes you see women as complete objects. And the same is true for girls. It makes you see men as objects. You see, my struggle with porn didn't end there. I actually, I had to go to counseling. When I became a Christian, I realized that what I was doing was wrong. And I felt that shame. That's why I'm telling you not to feel it. Because that brought me down a lot. I felt the conviction. And I had to have the most awkward talk with my mom ever about me getting into counseling. Because I was ruined by it. I went to counseling for four years. And I honestly suggest, and Matt suggests this all the time, counseling is one of the most beautiful things that you can do. But I want to tell you, when I was in my time of counseling, 
what I found out is that porn is just a layer to the onion. There's a deeper issue there. There's the root cause, and porn is just that surface level that you just peel away. You see, in my four years of counseling, I had to peel the layers consistently off of my life to understand what was the root issue here. Why was I looking at porn in the first place? It was because I never had an adequate view of love. My parents got divorced when I was young. My dad was like a mannequin. He was there in the home, but like he was never like present. Never once said he was proud of me, stuff like that. And I had to go back and I had to think back to my childhood, and that was the main cause. Because when you find the root issue, things start to go away. Now, don't get me wrong. And I want you guys to understand something here. Just because I'm on this stage does not mean, I, does not mean I'm high and mighty. I'm a horrible person. Like, I suck. Look, look, I'm an imperfect person doing my best to live a life that follows Jesus. I'm the worst of the worst, as Paul says. And I want you guys to understand that whenever I speak on stage, or whenever Matt speaks on stage, we're not that great. We struggle like many of you. I go like many of you. I have to humble myself before Jesus because I am not enough. I can never make it to the other side. I, I could never do anything on my own without God's given grace. I humble myself before the cross. So I am not perfect by any means. My struggle with porn should tell you that. I put in the hard work. I went to counseling for four years. I had to understand what it meant to be in a Christian relationship in the first place. So I read countless books on that. I had to understand what, it, what porn was doing to my mind. So I had to understand that. I also had to understand how to navigate my parents' divorce and going back and forth and whatever it was. Because I'm going to be honest with you, when I met my wife in 2018, if I didn't put in that work, I wouldn't want her to date me either. But I'm so thankful that I did. It's like a farmer who plows their field, plants the seeds, and at, and at harvest time, they can sit on the porch, look out, and go, I did it. And enjoy the good work that they did. That doesn't mean I still don't struggle with things. I struggle with so much. My gosh, envy, jealousy. I don't know, all of it. Like, I'm a horrible person. You see me driving. I hate people when they don't put their blinkers on. See, right there, I'm a horrible person. But I want to encourage you guys to take those steps. Lust doesn't have to be, like I said, porn. It can be whatever that causes you to stumble. Now, lust obviously is graphic images and stuff like that and adultery and Having, and having sex before marriage and all this other stuff. But I want to encourage you guys and give you guys some steps to move forward, to overcome the lust. And for those of you who have addictions to pornography, to overcome that addiction. Number one is the obvious one. You got to come clean. I had to have an awkward conversation with my mom. Do you know how awkward that is? 
a high school boy having a porn conversation with, her, with his mom. Said, hey, mom, I need to go to counseling. Most awkward thing I ever did in my life, but the, mo- but the greatest thing I ever did. So I first had to come clean to God and be honest at the struggle that I was in and didn't like it. I had to be honest that I was addicted to it and admit that lust was actually driving me. And the thing I want for you guys is to know that it, one, admit that lust is driving you, but that ultimately that you would want to rediscover God's love. Number two is get help. You don't need to face the struggle alone. In fact, you can't do this alone. I've tried many, many times. You cannot do this alone. You need an accountability partner, someone to come alongside you. You need to go to counseling if that is the, if that is the case. And what I mean an accountability partner, don't just go straight to your friend. A lot of the times your friend's not really going to want to tell you that you messed up because they don't want to ruin that friendship. Go to someone who's further along in their journey with Jesus. A simple way to put this is someone in the next life stage. So if you're single right now, go to someone who's married, right? If you, none of you are married in here besides me. So anyways, that is the point. Oh, sorry, Nate and Jasmine. (laughs) Look, you guys, look, it's just, moving on. Um, So, look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. You cannot do this alone. You truly can't. It is difficult. It is hard. Because you need to put in the work to overcome it. And honestly, the hardest part is breaking the silence and putting your struggle out there on the table for someone else to see. Now, you don't need to share it with the entire world. I'm not asking you to do what I did. But what I am asking you to do is go to those few people that you trust are obviously followers of Jesus and have them help you and lead you and guide you. Have them put restrictions on your phone, whatever it may be. Third thing is embrace God's grace. You see, you will not find freedom and victory in your own strength. It can only be found in Jesus. Yes, did I have friends that helped me? Of course. Did I, did I go to a counselor? Yep. But ultimately, Jesus was my solid rock through it all. Because without him, I would have relapsed so many times. And I would have went back to it over and over and over again. So you need to keep God at the center. That's why it's so important to dive into your scripture, to understand what God's will is for your life, and to truly seek after his will. Because for those who truly seek after him, you will find him. Lean not on your own understanding, but trust in God's direction for your life. Number four is set up boundaries. You see, the important thing here is you need to evaluate the time and ways you have been most uh, susceptible to this temptation. This is super important. This is what I had to do all the time. Whenever I messed up, I would have to go, okay, what was I doing? Was I tired? Sure. Was I hungry, bored, uh, frustrated? Was I alone? Whatever it may be, you need to set up boundaries. And if you're in a relationship right now and you're in a relationship in this room, you need to set up boundaries badly because ultimately, if you are in a relationship 
and let's say your significant other is addicted to porn, it's that much more difficult to fight off the temptation. Here's my reason behind this, is because ultimately, stuff happens. You mess up. Or maybe it gets a little too hot and heavy. And now you guys have to go away, and now that causes a greater temptation. You see, here's the thing. You need to set up boundaries. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Like, nothing good happens after 10 p.m. Let's just be honest. Nothing ever good comes when it's after 10 p.m. And that's not a bad boundary to set. Like, half of you guys have school and work anyways now, so it's like, I have to wake up early, right? Now I get it. You go on date nights, you do a movie night. I get it. 90-10. 9 percent of the time, you just go, hey, I'm going to go to bed. Hey, I'm leaving you at 10. See you later, right? Or maybe it's setting up boundaries on your phone. Your iPhone is incredible because it set, allows you to set up so many boundaries. You can do content restrictions. You can set up a sleep time to where everything shuts off on your phone. You can have uh, your friend input a password on your phone to where you can't even unlock the thing if he, unless he does it for you. Not only that, you can get Covenant Eyes, which is just a great software to which it basically sends emails once a week to your accountability partner, and it sends them everything that you looked up. So you're like, you couldn't hide it. Yeah, talk about the ultimate accountability, right? So some of you guys are like, I'm downloading that one, or never doing it. Um, here's the thing, though. You got to consider you got to take the drastic steps, the steps that will make you feel uncomfortable, that will make you feel weary. It's super important in the long run. You see, Jesus wants us to be serious. He wants us to be ruthless with ridding the sexual sin from our life, with ridding away lust from our life. And he talks about this in his address on Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. For those of you who don't know, Matthew is one of the four Gospels talks about the Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ministry. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 to 30 says this, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. The question this verse is asking is, how serious are you about ridding your life of sin? Now, obviously, it's not meaning literally, or else I'd be blind, right? It's not telling you to actually gouge out your eye. It's telling you to be ruthless, that it needs to feel like you're gouging out your eye. See, you need to kill sin before it kills you. For me, when I met my wife, I had a flip phone for two years. Yes, I got rid of this thing. Like, it's super important to understand that if you need to get rid of your iPhone, you need to do it. I still have my flip phone. Plan on giving it to when I have kids one day. But, sorry, did I say iPhone? I still have fun, right? Sorry. So here's the thing. You need to be ruthless with it. 
you need to give up stuff. You need to be cutting things off from your personal life. See, here's the thing. If you need to downgrade your phone, downgrade your phone. If you need to delete some social media apps, do it. Snapchat, I don't even know why it's even like a thing still. You know how many like inappropriate things are on that? It's gross. It's disgusting. TikTok especially. Oh my gosh. Instagram, you're pretty much getting there. Twitter is basically just porn now. And so you need to delete social media apps. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that too real? I mean, it's true. You need to set restrictions on your Netflix account. Some of you are like, no, like, it's the last thing I want, right? Some of you do. I'm not saying all of you, but some. Some of you need to unfollow people who post inappropriate stuff. Look, when I follow people, especially nowadays, I see something inappropriate, I just go unfollow. Not even a second thought. I just don't even care. I just go, no. Some of you need to do that. Ladies, is also a great way to, uh, when you're looking, when you like a guy, check who he follows. It's a great way to see um, if he's being a godly man. Uh, all the guys are going like, no. <laughs> um, so my challenge for many for you tonight is to get real with your sin. Now, maybe it's not lust, and maybe it's not porn, but the same rules still apply as we read in Matthew 5. You need to be ruthless with your sin. You need to kill sin before it kills you. And not only you, but your relationships and your friendships around you. Maybe even your potential marriage. Like I said, if you're wanting to get married here and you're addicted to porn, that is the first step you need to get that you need to do. You need to get rid of porn. Because porn will ruin your marriage. It will make, there's been articles done in how it will make girls feel like they are objects, but how they are also, when they find out that their significant other is looking at porn, it makes them feel that their body would never be enough. That they constantly have to tweak whatever it is because you're viewing 20,000 people and you're constantly looking at their bodies. You see, porn is something that can damage you for a lifetime if you don't get rid of it now. You gotta be ruthless with this sin because it will come back to bite you if you're not. I've heard of countless godly marriages of people that you would go, oh, they would never get divorced. Like, they're great. But then the next year they get divorced because the husband was addicted to porn. Porn is pretty much cheating. It is cheating. Now, I know it's been a pretty heavy subject. Um, well, part of a dating and marriage series without this subject, right? I mean, that's the whole point. Not really. But, um, <clears throat> but the thing is, look, I need you guys to understand that Jesus' love for you is selfless love. And that same selfless love went to the cross for you to die for you so that way you can have everlasting and eternal life that selfless love, because I don't know if you guys, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was like, Father, if there's another way, take this cup for me. But he said, let your will be done. He went to the cross, bore our sin, 
took on God's wrath so that way we could, for all those who believe in him, could have everlasting and eternal life. You see, lust is selfish. Love is selfless. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, talks about how you need to flee from anything that stimulates youthful lust. That's the first half of the verse. You need to flee. You need to run away from Potiphar's wife like how Joseph did. You need to flee. The second half of the verse goes, but pursue righteousness of God. That's super important. You flee, but you're pursuing God. Because when you keep your eyes on God, I'm not saying it'll be smooth sailing all the time, but when you keep your eyes on God and in his word, you'll start to understand his will for your life. But as soon as you take off, as soon as you take away your eyes from God, you'll start to sink. <clears throat> but the beauty is this, is that God will reach down with his righteous right hand and grab you and lift you up. That's what he did with Peter walking on water. Peter was walking on water looking at Jesus and as soon as he looked away, he started to sink. But then Jesus came and grabbed him right then and there. You see, I'm praying that you will start to do the hard work, especially before you get married. Both men and women in this room, put in the hard work now. And I promise you, it will be better in the long run for you. You're going to discuss more about this in your discussion groups, but you can put your arm around someone. I'll pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much just for, honestly, these people in the room. God, I know that we live in a very sexualized culture, and I know that a lot of the times love can get kind of mixed up with lust and kind of goes back and forth. But God, I just pray that you would just please be with everyone in this room. Guide them to know that they are loved. Help them to understand what it means to have a selfless type of love. And I pray for anyone in here who is addicted to pornography, that you would convict their hearts, that they would come to an understanding and that they need to get rid of the sin that they need to kill this sin before it kills them. And so, Father, I just pray that you please be with each and every single person in this room. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast. For more information about our services, events, and ways to get involved, head on over to scgchurch.org. Thanks again for listening.